0: all for being here today. I don't know if you're aware, but this is a holiday weekend, and so you had the perfect opportunity to, to skip worship today, but you're here, and I really do appreciate it. Thanks for making this a priority. Uh, thank you for being here on, on these holiday weekends. We do have a rule, only attractive people are allowed to come in, and so thank you all for following that rule. A Great looking group. Uh, But yes, thank you for being here. And to those of you listening to this podcast online who are not here in person, thank you for making that a priority. So we appreciate that. I know when you listen to the podcast, you miss like the good stuff, you miss the music, and you miss all that, but at least it's something. And so uh, that's why we have that available for our congregation. And so we are in, um, essentially we're in part two of a sort of kind of four-part series where we we're talking about missions-related stuff. This is part two of a four-part series. Uh, last week, we sent off, off our Kenya team. We prayed over them. We talked a little bit about why they're doing what they're doing. And so if you missed out on that message and you feel a little bit lost about what's going on in this church, um, you can catch up on that message online on our website, hopeccdelco.com or you can listen to the podcast there. But we sent our team off, and we talked a little bit about why we are doing this, why we are sending a team to Kenya. Uh, This week, I'm going to give you a little bit bit of an update about our Kenya team. Next Sunday, as I mentioned, we're looking forward to hearing from a missionary. We're going to have a little interview-style thing. And then the following week, we're going to hear back from our Kenya team. And so we're dealing with mission stuff over these four weeks. Um, And it's been pretty exciting to see what our Kenya team has been up to recently. Uh, A few days ago, I did send out an email with a link to the blog that Pastor Sean is keeping updated. Anybody following along with that blog right there? Okay. Um, If you're not, and if you want that link, please just send an email to our address there, info at hopeccdelco.com, and we can send you that link, or just check out our Facebook page. All the information is there. But it's been wonderful to see some pictures and learn about what our team is doing. Um, I've been like compulsively checking my phone. Are you guys doing that too? You know, yeah, well, you are, sure. You got a loved one there. You've got a kid there and all that. We're like, okay, what's going on? Where's the updates? What's happening? And so uh, they've been up to some really, really great stuff. This has been um, kind of new for me um, because I'm not there. (laughs) This is the first time in our history that we've had a team go and I haven't gone with them. And so all the things that they're doing, I'm watching and I'm paying attention. I'm getting updates from Sean. And there are times that I'm feeling like, man, I wish I was there man, I wish I was there right now. But then there are other times when I think about the plane trip over and basically it takes a day of travel and then you hit the ground running and all that stuff and I'm like, you know what? I'm so thankful that Pastor Sean has led this team over there. So I'm very divided over the whole thing. On the one hand, I wish I was there and I'm very grateful that we have leadership on the ground there making that happen. But they've been up to some great stuff over there. On their first day, they had some time to minister to really the, the poorest of the poor. They visited a slum, and um, that's the most extreme poverty that, that we've seen up close um, in person when we've done our trips to Kenya at the deep sea slum. And so uh, this slum area, it's right within the city limits of Nairobi, and it's where the poorest of the poor live. Um, people ask the question, well, how, how do people end up in this slum? And there's really not a satisfying answer to that question. We're talking about generational systemic poverty, where children are born to this environment, it's the life they know, and then they raise their own families there, and it's very t- difficult to get out of that situation. And you can leave that site, you can leave that slum, and you can look out and see some of the nicer apartments, some of the nicer hotel, a- hotels and accommodations within the city limits. It is very, very scary. It's very absurd. It's very strange to see this, and yet it's just the reality. I will tell you this, though. Uh, that slum Um, The first time I was there was, I guess, seven years ago. And just looking at the pictures, even that little church school site that they have on the premises has improved over the years, has been built up a little bit over the years. Got a new roof, new walls, still a dirt floor, but we are seeing signs of improvement. When I first went over seven years ago, I think it was seven years ago, whenever I first went over, um, they were trying to get this feeding program up and running. They weren't able to feed the kids every day, but now they are, and that is up and running. And so those of you who uh, have contributed to our, our, our Kenya fundraiser, you helped feed those children while our team was there. And so that's a significant thing. It's just a simple meal of rice and beans, but for a lot of those kids, it's the only meal they'll have that day. And as sad as that is, at least there's these signs of improvement. Okay, used to be they could only feed them a couple times a week, now they're feeding them every day. So we want to keep seeing progress there. And so it's so wonderful that our team was able to to be a part of that ministry, to spend some time just playing with the kids, letting them be kids. And that's a big that's a big deal over there because they don't get time to be kids, right? Uh, one of the things that's shocking over there in Kenya is you see that there's like one about this high, a little tiny kid carrying an even smaller kid. It's like, what's going on here? You've got like four-year-olds taking care of two-year-olds and carrying them on their back. And it's just like, wow, these kids need a chance to be a kid. And so they were, had a chance to color and play with bubbles and stuff like that. And then actually be fed was a wonderful thing. And so that's one of the things that happened. Um, our team traveled from Nairobi um, closer to Nakuru. And so they, that's where we will be for the most of the time there. And they... Um, they did some work at Gituwamba. Gituwamba is an IDP camp, An IDP camp is different from a slum. Slum was within the city limits, harsh environment. IDP camp is a lot more spacious. You're talking about an environment where we've got, really, their are farmers there. Um, the IDP camp, IDP stands for Internally Displaced People, and so way back, I think it was 2007, um, there was a presidential election, and people were not happy with the results and tribes, basically there was an internal civil war type situation. And so as a result of that war, a lot of people were displaced and the government set up these IDP camps. So collected all these people up and said, okay, now you live here and now you're farmers. Like, okay. And so you got a group of people there who are making a life for themselves and so you got to really establish society from the ground up. They started with just tents, those tents have been replaced by uh, mud homes with metal roofs and so we're trying to improve the conditions there. Um, Now they have a school, Um, We have helped to build that school over the years. And so our team there on the ground, they have done some work at that school. They've been working on the library there, which is very important, as you know. I've heard good things about reading and books, you know what I mean? It's like education. And so they've been able to work on that, which is great. Um, and again, I don't want to give everything away because our Kenyan team will share some of these details. And then last night I heard from Pastor Sean that he was preaching this morning at a Kenyan church. And so I sent a uh, prayer request out to our prayer team. Now, they're five hours ahead of us, so it already happened. He's preached this morning at a Kenyan church um, over the years, we have developed a friendship and a relationship with a man named Pastor Joseph. He works within the IDP camp right in Gittawamba. In fact, we have, we have helped build him two different churches. <laughs> and so we did that, and so Sean actually got a chance to preach at Pastor Joseph's church. You might remember, for those of you who were last Sunday we had Brooke on the Kenya drum. Do you remember seeing her play the Kenya drum? Well, Pastor Joseph, that was a gift from him. He gave that drum to us, and now Pastor Sean was able to preach at his church. And I got word back from him. I don't know if you heard, but... He did a great job. It feels like everything went really well. He did have somebody video it, so we'll try to get that up on our website as soon as we get access to that video. So what a wonderful opportunity just to share the gospel. And so that's so much of what we're about there. It's not just speaking the words, but also connecting it with actions. So our team has been able to do both of those things, and they'll have more stories as the week goes on. And so that's what's happening in Kenya. And again, I I do encourage you to stay tuned if you're paying attention to that blog read it. There's some great insights there. Let's be praying with our team. Let's show solidarity as a church. If you could lift them up in your prayers every day, we would greatly appreciate that. Now, I suspect as this is going on, there may be some of you right here in this congregation who are thinking about, ooh, maybe I should go to Kenya next year. Maybe this is something that I should do. And so that's something that we've had over the course of these years, is people start to get that sense of, is this something I should be about? Is this something that God wants me to do? As followers of Jesus Christ, we believe that we have been enlisted to be a part of God's mission. In fact, for several weeks leading up to Easter, we went through this whole message series rediscovering Jesus. Does that ring any bells for anybody? I know it was like before Easter. But we spent so much time talking about the fact that Christ has given us, those of us who are Christians, has given us a mission. It is the mission of making disciples. And that disciple-making mission is all-inclusive. It means sharing the gospel. It means serving. It means helping. It means loving. It means sacrificing. That's the mission that we have been enlisted on. And so all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ have been given an opportunity to connect with that mission in some way. But some of us have a unique call to take that mission overseas. As I said, over the years we've had people who felt a sense of calling, and some of those people have prayed over that calling and and have landed on different conclusions about whether or not God is actually calling them to do this. Several years ago, and I'm not going to tell somebody else's whole story, but several years ago we had a guy in our church who had thought about going over to Kenya. And then when our team left, he was tracking them and he was watching. Like You know, you can track like online, watch the airplane fly over the place. So he was watching the planes flying over. He just was filled with a sense of, I should be on that plane. I should be on that plane. And so he felt that prompting from the Holy Spirit, and he sought that out. And so over the course of the next year, and I don't know exactly what his discernment process was, but over the course of time, he thought, is that really God calling me to do this? And it turns out the very next year, he was on our team to Kenya. How about that? And that's wonderful. At the same time, we've had some people who have taken an interest. What's this thing about? What is this? And they've searched for God, and we've had some people who've thought, okay, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do this thing. But then when they really seek after God's will, they realize, oh, maybe maybe this isn't for me. In fact, we've had some people over the past couple years who have stepped down, and I was able to say, you know what? I think as far as I can discern, I think you've made the right choice. So we could spend a lot of time talking about discernment and trying to figure out what exactly God's will for us is related to missions because when it comes to you as an individual, I don't know exactly the specifics of what God is calling you to. I don't know if he's calling you to get on a plane, to travel internationally or even domestically. I don't know. But what I do know, what I do know, is that you have been given this opportunity to be a missionary somewhere, to someone to a group of people. I want you to take a look at the Scripture passage that's in your bulletin that Sarah read for us. And this is just a few verses. This is a snapshot of a much bigger thing that happens. You got some time off tomorrow, right? Why don't you read all that chapter, Mark chapter 5, right? I'm always saying, it's one of these times I think someone's going to do it. That's why I keep saying it, right? Read the whole story for yourself. It's a, it's a wild story that takes place. There is a man who had been possessed by demons, not like just one or two, but by a legion of demons. And so Jesus comes to his hometown and knows about this man, and people tell him about this man, and they're terrified of this man. And Jesus heals this man and takes the demons out. And I'm not going to give it away. It's a whole big story that happens. It's a wild event. And so this man was completely incapacitated His his whole self was consumed. He could not live a normal life. He was on the outskirts of town. And so he is so grateful for what Jesus has done for him that he wants to go and be a follower of Jesus. Jesus, take me with you. This is so wonderful. He's got his life back. He wants to follow Jesus. He wants to be a part of this band of disciples that Jesus has. He wants to be a part of this mission that Jesus is on. Even if he doesn't fully understand the mission, he knows this guy has healed him. I want to go with you. I want to be where you are. Can you imagine? And how wonderful that would be for Jesus to have this man with him, right? I mean, as they're traveling from town to town, Jesus could give his talk and say, Now, I'd like to welcome up to the stage a man that I healed. And the guy would come up and say, Let me tell you my testimony about what Jesus has done for me, right? I kind of imagine this scene like the old... Um, like the revival tent meetings, have you ever seen one of those? I've seen them in movies where you get the traveling preacher come through town. They have a big spectacle event. Well, what wouldn't that be great to be able to have somebody come up and say, "Yeah, I can testify. Jesus healed me. I was possessed by a whole bunch of demons. Jesus healed me." That would be wonderful for Jesus. What a powerful story! And so Jesus, he's got this offer. This guy that is healed wants to follow him, wants to be a part of this mission, wants to be a part of this gang of followers, this gang of disciples. And Jesus says, "No." go home oh all right go home immediately think of what's the what's the movie what's the Adam Sandler movie where he's the golfer I get I get them confused what is it Happy Gilmore, Happy Gilmore? I don't watch movies like that because I'm a Christian but you guys can watch <laughs> sorry that's my favorite joke anyway but he does that joke where he's golfing and it's like the ball almost goes you're too good for your home go to your home right no go home go home But Jesus, this guy, I mean, this guy has a story to tell, and he could travel with you and he could tell a story. He says, No, go home. Go home. Tell your story back home. Tell your story back home. Listen, I think it would be very powerful if this man traveled along with Jesus and told his story to different people. That would be very powerful. But how much more powerful would it be for him to tell his story in his own hometown? People who knew him. People would walk up to him and say, Whoa, you're like dressed and clean and no longer demon-possessed. What happened? And he would have a story to tell. The people who knew him when, the people who saw him out of his mind, to ask him that question, what happened? And his answer would be, Jesus happened. Imagine that, the impact that he would have on his own home. There's a similar to st- well I don't know how similar it is. There's another account that we read about in the gospels is Jesus and he speaks with this Samaritan woman and that's another whole thing. It's another wild event that takes place and there's multiple layers to this story and there's multiple layers to this conversation but he speaks to this woman and this woman comes to understand that this man really is the Messiah. And so what does she do? She stays home. <laughs> And she tells other people about Jesus. She doesn't travel with them. She stays home. And we're told that because of her testimony, many people believed. Yes, it's wonderful to get that call to travel overseas or to get that call to travel or be a part of the Samaritan's Purse trip or you know, flying down to Texas or North Carolina or Kenya or wherever you make. That's wonderful and important. And we need to be open to God telling us to do this. But at the same time, we need to realize that we have a wonderful opportunity just to be missionaries at home. Just go home. Go home. And let, listen, here's where it gets vulnerable let other people see how Christ is changing you. I don't know your whole story. I don't know if anybody in this room was ever demon possessed like this guy. You probably weren't. We would have talked about that by now, right? But you have a story of transformation. Maybe it's a big transformation. Maybe it's maybe you're new in this process. You have a story of somebody used to be, and you had a certain set of priorities, and you had a certain understanding about things, and now you are changing right before the eyes of your friends, your family, and your coworkers my goodness, that can feel so vulnerable to have people come up and ask you what are you doing with your life? <laughs> Why are you transforming? Why are you thinking differently? Why are you spending money differently? Why aren't you coming out and partying with us like you used to? What is, going, what is your deal lately? And for you to be able to say Jesus is my deal lately. Jesus is changing my life. I think it was after my Second trip to Kenya, I came back home and I was talking with a, a, a group of believers, a group of Christians, and we we're talking about what this means to to think missionally wherever we are, whether we're at home with our family or we're in our own neighborhood or at work or you're just popping into Home Depot real quick, whatever you're doing, wherever you to think missionally, to embrace this reality that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are on a mission wherever we go. And so I said, like I said, I was talking with a group of believers about this and I just come back from Kenya and we were kind of comparing and contrasting these experiences and somebody in that small group said you know what it almost seems easier to go to kenya and do it there i had a very mixed internal response to that cuz i just got back from kenya and i tell you it's not easy <laughs> it's not easy to go to kenya are you kidding me goodness gracious before before you get on the plane before you get on the plane, you got to decide to do this. You make a commitment to do this. And then you start telling your family, your friends, you're doing this. And they push back and say, what are you, crazy? And so you got to deal with pushback. you got to deal with criticism. you got to deal with fundraising. you got to deal with getting vaccinations. Then you get on a plane, and then you got to deal with your team members. Goodness gracious, they just going, yep, 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 yep. Can you leave me alone? I'm trying to sleep on the plane. And that's all before you get there. And then you get there, and you hit the ground running, and you're jet lag, and people expect from you, and you just pour yourself out, and you pour yourself out, and you pour yourself out, and it is not easy. But at the same time, I appreciate that statement. Maybe it is easier to do that than it is to be a missionary to your own people, to your own family, to your own coworkers. Listen, when you're over in Kenya, when you're on mission trip or you know last year we sent a team to, to texas to do some work there when you're on a mission trip you feel a little bit more comfortable taking some of these risks right you know what i'm gonna go ahead and ask if i can pray for this person i'm a missionary this is what i do right let me do that you know what i'm gonna share my story i'm gonna do this I'm, you know what's the worst that can happen i'm on a plane in three days anyway baby i'm gonna risk it right I'm going to risk. I'm going to share the gospel. That's what I'm because I'm on a mission trip. I'm out of my environment. I'm totally tuned into the fact that I'm a missionary right now. Let's do the missional thing. It's different when you're home. Those risks are even riskier. What if I share my story and what if I'm rejected by this neighbor, this coworker, this family member? What if I start talking about how my priorities have shifted because I'm following Jesus now? What if I get dirty looks or what if I get opposition or what if I get people thinking I'm crazy or what if I just, what if I, am I going to risk severing the relationship? What then? So maybe, maybe it is easier to get on a plane and travel somewhere else. But I tell you what, as a church, we're not concerned about which of these options is easier. We don't think like that. We do, we do what God calls us to do. It's as simple as that. We do what God calls us to do, and as I said, I don't know. I don't know your story. I don't know if God is calling you to get on a plane, but I do know that God has invited you to be a missionary wherever you are and whatever you do. It's kind of neat to have a a Sunday where it's a little bit smaller attendance. We've got a great crowd out here today, but it's It's just a simple thing, and just to have Sean up playing and just the two of us up here, and it kind of reminds me of back in the old days. (laughs) Back in the old days when we first started this whole thing, I mean, I'd stand up and preach to like, you know, five people, and half of them I was related to, you know what I mean? (laughs) But just to see how things have grown over time, and why is that? Why is that? It's because of you living into this missional call and sharing in simple ways with other people in your life. Here's what I'm experiencing. Here's what I'm experiencing with Jesus. Here's what I'm learning about Jesus. Now listen, I want to get a little bit specific here, and I might be taking some risks, but I know, I know that there are people in our congregation in this little church here who have walked away from something drastically different to be a part of this. And people are wondering, why, why aren't you with us anymore? Why don't you do that life? Why don't you live this life anymore? Just just be willing. I know, it's, I know it feels so risky and vulnerable. Be willing to share with them why you have a different set of priorities now. That's where life change happens. That's where it happens. And the reason that we continue to see growth as a church is because of you sharing your stories. And so my word of encouragement to all of us today is I want you to do this. And, and really... I want you to keep open. Keep open to what God wants you to do. Listen for his voice. Listen to those promptings, those nudges in your spirit. And if you do feel like, man, I should be on that Kenya trip next year, see that through. Pray about it. Seek after that. And if you feel like, man, I really should be on a Samaritan's Purse domestic trip, I really should, if you feel that sense of prompting, follow through on that. But regardless of whether or not you're called to get on a plane, just remember to be a missionary wherever you are. Think missionally, live missionally. The only way that happens is with intentionality. You know how life is. You know what it's like to be an American. We're rushing from here to there. Get we got our to-do list. Get it done. Get it. what? Stop. Pause from the to-do list and realize that wherever you go and whatever you do. And whoever you're talking to, you are on God's mission. Let me pray for us. Father, we're so thankful for for our Kenya team. And we're thankful for our Samaritan's Purse team. And we're thankful for people who get on planes and travel distances to to share your truth and to share the gospel. And to, to provide support to people who are greatly in need. We thank you for that. Father God, at the same time, we understand, we acknowledge that you've called each one of us, every one of us, you've called us to be your missionaries right here at home. Father God, I pray that you would give us peace, give us courage, give us the willingness to be vulnerable in front of other people. So much of what I've talked about this morning, God, it's so easy to say, but it's so complex to live out. Lord Jesus Christ, you promised us your Holy Spirit and we believe that by the power of your Holy Spirit we can do this very thing that you have called us to do. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for each person here that you would keep our eyes and ears open to the ways that you are at work in our life, that we would remain responsive to your promptings in our spirit, and that each one of us would live into your mission. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.